Orlando RC and the Atlanta Braves walk off the San Diego Padres in the home opener. And what a home opener it was with just about everything that you could hope for from an Atlanta Braves fan perspective. And we're going to cover it all on today's episode of Locked on Braves. So let's get into it. You are locked on Braves. Your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day, and where you can also get the postcast with me and Grant McCauley. And this won't be the postcast, but I am going to have Grant McCauley on here to talk about that wild home opener on a Thursday night. Again, I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out the podcast on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves. If you're new on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button and that thumbs up button as well to help support the show. And thanks for all the support that you give me here at Locked On Braves, where we post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday. Thank you to all those out there who make Locked On Braves your first listen of each and every day. On today's podcast, we are going to be talking about that exciting home opener a little bit late, but there's a reason for that. Me and Grant McCauley both at the game, enjoying each and every moment of it. And my voice already lost here uh, as we begin the episode. And I'm going to go ahead and bring in Grant so that we can talk about that great home opener. I mean, Grant, what a way to kick off the season, uh, a walk-off. I mean, I don't know that there is a better one. I know Marquegas had one a couple of years ago that was really exciting, but I mean, this one, just the way they did it, scoring in the eighth and then walking it off in the ninth as well. I mean, I can't think of too many better home openers. Yeah, the back and forth battle. I mean, it felt like two distinctly different games from the way it got started. And when we were done with it and we're kind of talking to some of the players afterwards, it brought Spencer Strider out. And I was like, oh, yeah, Spencer Strider started this game. But <laughs> with everything that happened later on, you'd kind of forgotten about who started and, and, and when they left the game and whatnot because it was this back and forth dynamic between these two teams I feel like we know the Padres are going to be a good club in 2023 and and they're going to show it and hopefully this series the Braves and the weather permitting uh, will allow for Atlanta to do what it needs to do to win this series but either way what a great game and just at the end you just see the Braves offense do things that I think a lot of clubs around baseball would like to figure out how exactly they managed to pull this off because they find the moments they're never too big. They don't seem like for a lot of these hitters, it's never the same guy every time. And it just seems like they have a knack for two out hits, two strike hits, and doing everything they needed to do last night. It wasn't just a barrage of home runs. This was a whole bunch of great hitting. It was. And I want to get into all the specifics, get into the Orlando Arcia game that he had, get into Spencer Strider's start. But indulge me here for a second, Grant, because I know everybody wasn't able to be there. And I just want to quickly go through kind of my experience being at the ballpark because it is an experience if you haven't been able to go to Truist Park. The excitement outside of the stadium, just walking up, it puts it in that SEC football type of atmosphere. Yeah. And it is just, they've done a great job there. You know, getting in the ballpark, finding a line that's not extremely long. I was actually able to find kind of like a grab-and-go type line up in the 300 section there. Uh, that was really great and quick to get to. The pregame ceremonies, Grant, there's nothing better than a flyover to start a game. I, I mean, I think you got to agree there. And they do a great job of it at the Braves games for sure. Um, and then I got to meet a listener as well. At your, uh, shout out to Roger Doss, who was sitting on the same uh, section, same row as me. Nice. 
in, in section 329. So that was great as well to get to meet one of the listeners. I know Doc, another listener, sent me a, a pic on Twitter. He sent it out on Twitter. He was sitting out in left field coming out from Arizona, his first time at Truist Park. Uh, so that was good to see as well. I had beer spilled on me at the game. I mean, how can you not go to in a game and experience that? I had peanut dust all over me, both mine and my neighbors. I mean, it's all part of being at the ballpark. I got to high five some strangers. You got the tool race, the mm-hmm. cap shuffle, uh, the freeze race, which the freeze lost wow. on opening yeah. day. I mean, what an upset there. I mean, it's just, granted, it's so fun just being at the ballpark, experiencing all that. And then obviously to cap it off with a win and a walk off. I mean, I, I know, you know, you were there in a little bit different capacity, you know, it's me sitting out there and then, uh, you know, you obviously work in the game, getting talk with the players and all that, but just your view of the atmosphere being there at the stadium. I think Truist Park's becoming one of the great venues in all of baseball. I agree with that. And I know that the players agree with that. And several of them were asked about, you know, yes, you had opening day already, but now you get to come home and you get to play in front of these fans. And whether it was Brian Snitker or Spencer Strider or whoever you talk to, they always say, you know, playing in front of these fans, I mean, this gets us fired up. These these fans are always behind us. They are loud, and this is a place we love to play, and we feel that energy that comes across. So that all registered loud and clear for those fans. And I feel like as you watch that stadium fill up, and yes, it was full, I think biggest crowd in Truist Park history, which is saying something considering some of the games that they've been playing. You figure you're going to be sold out throughout the weekend. I think they're going to be sold out a lot throughout the course mm-hmm. of the season. The energy is there, and, and it's very palpable, and I think that the Braves are really enjoying both that and the atmosphere around the ballpark. You can just tell Truist Park and the Battery is a place that fans want to come early, a place that they want to stay late. It's just a place to be, and you feel that you know from, I think, every seat, every vantage point that you can possibly find in that stadium. It's a place where you can have an awful lot of fun on a game day, and I think an awful lot of fun was had. Uh, in the home opener for the Braves and beating the Padres in the walk-off fashion they did. They did. So, again, no, I'm not getting sponsored by the Braves to say all this, but I I do say it is a great experience to get out to the ballpark, and I know everybody's not capable of doing that, but I just wanted to at least share that experience kind of with you. But let's jump into the game action. I want to start out talking about Orlando Arcia because – my wife, who you got to meet, I could meet Grant in person for the first time at this game as well. And that was uh, fun. Me and my wife got to go to the game and uh, speak, spend some time with Grant before. And, you know, she obviously is, she's probably even less than a casual fan, I would say. And she's wondering, who's the new shortstop for the Atlanta Braves this year? Because she did know Dansby Swanson and she knows that name. And I kept saying, that's our new shortstop. And it's Orlando Arcia. And the guy just kept coming up with big play that he has to begin this season you know he had a a two-out walk or he had the home run early in the game the solo home run made it two nothing he had a two-out walk that you know eventually led to a couple more walks that led to a run Mm -hmm. in this game he got the rally started in the eighth inning and then he had the walk-off hit I mean what a start to this season for Orlando Arcia taking over at shortstop for Dansby Swanson playing great defense and getting it done at the plate as well I think it helps and I'm not discrediting anything he's done but I think it helps also hitting in front of Ronald Acuna Jr. You know you're going to get good pitches to hit because nobody wants to face that guy right now. They even pitched around him I think to face Matt Olson then ultimately ended up walking him but getting back to Orlando Arcia Mm -hmm. I mean just unbelievable first week of the season for him. Yeah I, I don't know that you could have scripted it much better. I mean Orlando was a guy that the Braves have always had a lot of belief in from the time that they got him 
and he went down to Gwinnett and got off to that red hot, just crazy start. I mean, numbers, home run numbers in particular, power numbers that he'd never really shown in his time with the Brewers. And and you know, and a lot of listeners out there probably know too, Orlando Arcia was once one of the top prospects in all of baseball. He made it to the big leagues at 20 years old. He's just now 28. So it may seem like, well, he's been around for a while or, hey, it didn't work out in this other place. He's not really that heralded anymore. This is still a talented baseball player. And as I said, throughout the course of the winter, whether it was talking about Vaughn Grissom or Orlando Arcia or Braden Shoemake, who looked good in spring training as well, you're not asking any of these three guys to come in and just carry your team. You're asking them to come in and contribute and just play the position and bat ninth. And I think that's a pretty nice, and I'm not going to say no pressure situation, but you take a lot of the pressure off. There can be a lot of focus on, I think, the day-to-day stuff that there needs to be. And for all three guys, there has been. And for Orlando Arcia, he loves being a part of this team. He has felt like that since, I think, day one. He has made some great friends, and they have had some big wins, quite obviously, some of the biggest wins you can have in all of baseball in his first year there. And he was around for all of that, and that's what he wants to continue to have and experience every single year. He showed in spring training that, hey, he knows how to hit. He is a capable fielder. He has a great arm, and the Braves are going to give him this opportunity. And one thing I thought was really interesting, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but Vaughn Grissom last night quote tweeted the Braves' crazy finish in the Orlando Arcia walk-off and said, you know, just what an electric atmosphere it was. I thought that was cool. I mean, these are guys that, yeah, they do compete for playing time and for starting jobs and all those things. That's kind of the optics we see from the outside. But this is a very close-knit group, and I thought that was pretty neat because at some point, I think Vaughn Grissom's going to be a factor in the story for the Atlanta Braves. But Orlando Arcia is getting his opportunity to write at least a chapter right now, and he is writing a pretty good one. He is for sure. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. Obviously, it's very young in the season, but I mean, I don't think you could have written a better start to the year no. for Orlando Arcia. And you mentioned the fact I think he does love playing for this team just from a, a fan's outsider perspective, just seeing the joy that he has and that, you know, he signed essentially for a, a small deal for two million a year as the starting shortstop. I mean, when he signed that deal, he was the starting shortstop. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think he just really loves this team, loves being here, and I think he's a great fit and off to a tremendous start. And what a home opener it was for him as the starting shortstop for the Atlanta Braves. Now, there were some other heroics in this game. Just about everybody in the lineup had a part to play. And as Grant said, oh, by the way, Spencer Strider started this game. Uh, We'll get into all of that here next. Our new sponsor, So Rare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. And unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. MLB game weeks happen twice weekly and they span a three to four day cycle. At the end of game week, so rare MLB managers who rank at the, near the top of the leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which can include so rare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. Prizes may vary depending on the competition, but head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn. That's SoRare, S-O-R-A-R-E.com to draft a team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. All right, Grant, it wasn't just Orlando Arcia getting it done at the plate. There were 
just about everybody up and down the lineup contributed in this one. Ron Acuna Jr. starts off the game with a double, as he is prone to do so far yeah. this season. Olsen moves him over. Riley brings him in on a sacrifice fly. Braves up one nothing. Grant, I don't know if you know this, and I tweeted this out. The Braves have scored at least four runs in the first four innings of every game, except for one. And you can probably guess which game that was, the one they lost in Washington. They've been getting off to some really hot starts. You Murphy, uh, he had a big game. I know everybody worried about his offense early on, but Sean Murphy got going in this one, had a double off the wall in center. Uh, Pillar drove him on in. Kevin Pillar started this game. He had an RBI hit that tied it up at three. Olsen had a bases-loaded walk, uh, had a single the other way that scored RC in the eighth inning. Riley beating out an infield single, hit to Manny Machado in the eighth to keep the, the rally alive. Travis Darno, who was hot to start the season but looked kind of lost early in, in this game, he comes up and shoots a ball the other way uh, you know, in the eighth inning as well to tie that up. Rosario comes in with a pinch hit, double with two outs, and then obviously what Arcia did in this game we already talked about. But Grant, I mean, top to bottom, and that's what we talked about, the depth of this lineup, just about everybody played a, a, a huge role in getting this win. Yeah, and that's what I think great teams do. It's up and down the lineup. You can look back and find a moment where, oh, yeah, this guy contributed here. This guy knocked in this run. This guy over here scored the run. Maybe this is the guy that moved him over to get him into that position. I mean, that's kind of what this Braves lineup is. I know they're going to get a lot of you know, attention with the number of home runs that they're going to hit this year. They did not need a home run to beat the Padres, really. I mean, in the late innings there. I mean, yeah, they right. got one early on, and that's good. But I guess what I'm saying is they're not just dependent on, well, somebody's going to got to come up and hit a three-run homer here late in the game, or the Braves just aren't going to have a chance. It was, as you laid it out, a great job of hitting, particularly in that eighth inning. You had a line drive the other way from Arcia, line drive the other way from Olsen, and the Travis Darno with the shooting one through the right side of the infield. Those were three big hits. None of them left the ballpark, but all of them added up to helping the Braves, you know, jump back into this game and you know get right back at the Padres, who had scored two in the top of the eighth inning. The Braves immediately answered with two, and then in the bottom of the ninth, we know what happened with Orlando Arcia. But how about Eddie Rosario again? You mentioned Kevin Pilar started the game. He had a run knocked in. He scored a run himself, so he did his job. Eddie Rosario comes up and does it again with another double and comes in to score the game-winning run. So, I mean, there are just heroes, if you want to call them that, up and down the order or reasons why the Braves won. It might have started with Ronald Acuna Jr. on this night, very appropriately so, but it went beyond that. And I know if you start to look at league leaders, which after about a week or so, I think is pretty fair to do, you're starting to find Ronald Acuna Jr. among the most runs scored in Major League Baseball. Matt Olson among the most runs knocked in in baseball. And I think we're going to see the Braves and their home run total be among the most in baseball throughout the course of the season as well. You're getting a pretty good idea that this offense is very well-rounded and there's not a whole lot of places you can hunt to find outs consistently against this starting nine. No, absolutely not. I mean, it's again, it's what makes this team so deadly, in my opinion, is that it's just so deep top to bottom. And again, we've talked about it and you got to see that on Thursday night. Grant, there's not too many postcasts or podcasts we're going to do where we're 15 minutes in and we haven't even touched on Spencer Strider yet, right. um, but that's just what type of night it was. And it's hard to say it wasn't like his best performance. The guy struck out nine batters over five innings, but I think he would agree. And I think most people would agree. You know, he may not have been his sharpest at times in this game, five innings, Four hits, three walks, and I think walks were the big key for the Braves pitching staff on Thursday night. Three earned runs all coming on that home run. Um, nine strikeouts, 101 pitches. And I think that's 
probably, you know, the big takeaway from this. I know Strider mentioned it in his post game, the fact that, you know, he had to he didn't like having to give all that inning for the bull all the innings for the bullpen to cover. He wasn't able to go as deep and be as efficient as he wants to be. But still, for the most part, I mean, really dominant. I mean, he still had nearly a 30% whiff rate on 29 swings against his fastball. I mean, you just don't see whiff rates like that against a, a four-seam fastball. Yeah. His slider, I think, might have been the best I've seen it, and I think maybe probably should have gone to it a little bit more. He threw 35 of them, and they all looked really good to me. He had uh, nine whiffs on 11 swings against that slider. That's an 82% whiff rate against the slider. I mean, eight called strikes with that pitch. He was able to get it over for strikes when he needed to. Again, I'm not I'm not trying to say this is a, a bad start. It was not a bad start at all for Spencer Strider. It's just when we look at the level that we're used to seeing from him, just really was the efficiency, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But still dominating stuff, a 43% whiff rate overall is just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Three of the four hits he did allow were on his fastball. The one that was on the slider, it was that little bloop double by Manny Machado. So, again, Grant, just overall dominating stuff. I think we would like to see, Strider would like to see, just a little bit more efficiency. I think the big thing that he talked about post game was he wished he'd been more efficient, particularly with two strikes. He knows as a strikeout pitcher that in you know racking up all the strikeouts, you are going to throw a lot of pitches at a minimum. You're going to be throwing three of them, I guess, unless we start talking about a lot of batter violations or something like that. But you know, looking at what he was doing last night, it looked like Spencer Strider. It felt like Spencer Strider, you know, in terms of you know, what we were seeing. And, of course, the nine strikeouts over five innings. But he did have to throw a lot of pitches. Uh, Manny Machado with that hustle double. I think that was a, a big play for San Diego. They were looking for anything that they could to kind of get things going in that game. And then, of course, Matt Carpenter with that home run. I mean, everything I think that went wrong for Spencer was happening with two strikes seemed to be the feeling that he had. He wanted to be more efficient and make sure he put guys away. And it's crazy to say that on a night you strike out nine and he brought up all those whiff rates and the swings and misses and, and all the you know different things that he was doing right that were going well for him. But I'll point out as well, I mean, occasionally you're going to make a mistake. A hitter's going to make you pay for it. But also, if this is like the right. ad version, air quotes, of Spencer Strider, I'll certainly take it if this is what's going to happen a handful of times a year because this guy is so far and away, you know, uh, just a cut above when it comes to strikeout pitchers and just, I think, maybe right-handers in general in baseball, he's got a chance to do some really special things this year. And even on a night where he wasn't at his best, the Braves offense backed him up. The bullpen was able to bend but not break. And the offense bounced back in the end to pick up the win. And, again, it's a team game. And Spencer Strider, I think, would point out that, hey, as long as we win on the day I pitch, I'm going to feel pretty good about that. Then go make any adjustments I need to and come back in five days and do my thing. Yeah, absolutely. And when Strider takes the mound, I mean, you feel pretty good about your chances of winning a game, especially with this offense. You touched on the bullpen. They did have to cover, you know, four innings in this one with Strider, only able to go five. And it, and it wasn't the best performance, in my opinion, overall from the bullpen. Lucas Litke comes in, immediately gives up a bomb and allows the Padres to tie the game. I will at least give a little caveat for Litke. He hasn't pitched a lot. It was only his second appearance of the year so far um but in both of them he's now given up a run he gave up the home run then walked the batter i still think it's absolutely the right call by by snicker there no second guessing there two lefties to start that inning unfortunately just didn't execute gave up the homer walked the batter was able to get out of that uh you know just giving up the one run nick anderson i mean just has been yeah. brilliant and i I honestly, this was the only thing that I maybe kind of second guessed. I thought maybe he would give Nick Anderson another inning. I know he did throw 17 pitches, but 
and, you know, I just feel like he's one of the Braves' better relievers right now. And with the bullpen being shorthanded, I haven't mentioned yet, they, you know, call him a cue, put on the IL right. before the game started. Um, and knew the short, the bullpen was a little shorthanded. I thought he might try to extend Nick Anderson an inning. Brings in Kirby Yates and was just really rough to start that inning. I thought he kind of got it together after those first two yeah. batters and found the zone. But those first two batters, it was just really could not find it at all. Um, and then you had the the wild pitch that gets away from Sean Murphy, which he's going to tell you he's got to block that ball. And yeah. then you had the bunt, and I thought Kirby was just trying to do a little too much. It, really nothing you could do with that ball. I mean, it was just a perfect bunt, but you know he tried to make a play, ended up throwing yeah. it up into right field. Uh, then Mentor came in, and he's a little shaky early on as well, but then he gets a big double play of Bogarts to get out of the jam. So like you said, just kind of a little up and down for the bullpen throughout, but ultimately, you know, they do get the job done and they are a little bit shorthanded at the moment. Yeah. And I think that's important to point out and hearing from Colin McHugh before the game, it just felt like it's just, it's just bothering him a little bit. And he didn't look as sharp and as crisp in that outing against St. Louis. I mean, he really seemed like he was mm-hmm. fighting. It was off a mile an hour or two and just didn't have the precision that he needs to have as a guy that is looking to spin the ball quite a bit and get his results that way. Colin McHugh is not coming in to blow you away, but he's going to pick up his strikeouts. So you kind of had to work without – you obviously had to work without him. Clearly the bullpen without Rysel Iglesias, that's a different dynamic than most teams would like to have. You'd like to have your closer available for you because I feel like that allows you to take A.J. Minter, who to me, you know, bell to bell last year, was the Braves' absolute best reliever. You can use him in that seventh or eighth inning to face the toughest hitters in an opposing lineup, and you don't care if they're righty or lefty. I think AJ has really cemented himself as one of the better relievers in the National League, but you're kind of counting on him to be the last line of defense in the bullpen, and that's a little bit of a different feel. The one thing I'll say about Nick Anderson before I get to Kirby Yates is that with his injury history, I don't know how many multi-innings he's going to be asked to throw unless he is at an incredibly low pitch count. If he was at eight or nine, maybe ten pitches through that inning, I feel like maybe you let him go start another one. But by the time he sits and maybe waits for a while, if the Braves offense does its thing, which it's known to do, (laughs) then you get him back out there, maybe gets into a little bit of trouble. Now all of a sudden maybe he's thrown 25, 30 pitches, and then you can't use him for a day or two. I think Snit's trying to be real careful with how he brings Nick Anderson along and maybe not stretch him out too much. Four outs, I could probably see that, but I don't know if he's going to be getting a lot of multi-inning opportunities. That really seems to be Colin McHugh's role. So if you were missing Colin McHugh somewhere, in this mix, that was probably the spot where you were missing him. And, and with Kirby Yates, I mean, he just was not able to command there early. I really thought he was going to buckle down and get out of that. That wild pitch, the carom that it took away from Sean Murphy, that's just an unfortunate break for the Braves. Great break for the Padres, obviously. And, you know, with the free base runners and Kirby Yates or whoever will tell you, it's, you know, you kind of put yourself in that position and the Padres made him pay for it. Thankfully, the throwing error didn't lead to an even bigger and worse inning. But yeah, the Padres were able to get some runners on. And even with two outs, they were able to, without getting the ball out of the infield, find a way to score a couple of runs. And the Braves, fortunately, were up to the task of answering for that in the bottom of the eighth inning and walking it off in the ninth. They did. And look, it just made for a much more exciting uh, game, a home opener. You know, they they came back, scored two in the eighth and avoided seeing Josh Hader, you know, because, yeah, I mean, they were very close. I saw them stretching down there in the bullpen. They were very close to bringing Hader into this game, who's obviously their best reliever. Uh, But those two runs in the eighth to tie it up were huge. Coming right back, showing you what this offense can do and then walking it off, obviously, for a great 
great home opener that it was. Uh, next, I do want to get into some of the news. We did have some Michael Harris injury news as well in the home opener that I want to talk about. And then Grant and I will set you up for the rest of the weekend, which hopefully gets played with some rain coming into the area. We'll talk about that here next. The NBA playoffs are almost here. Major League Baseball season is here, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line, point scores, threes drained, how many home runs the Braves are going to hit. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now, Grant, we did have some unfortunate injury news on a Thursday. We talked about Colin McHugh. It sounds minor from what we, we heard from him, and but he clearly just, as you mentioned earlier, didn't look like himself in those game, last two games in St. Louis, really seemed to be fighting it. So he goes on the IL. Jared Schuster gets called back up and is scheduled to start on Friday. You know, we were trying to figure out, I think me and Grant talked for like 15, 20 minutes after the postcast of the night trying to figure out how, who, how are they going to get him back up here? Yeah. Uh, who are they going to start? On April 7th, well, these things do tend to work themselves out uh, in an unfortunate way because McHugh's going to the IL, and that's a big loss for the bullpen, as we discussed. But Schuster back up. Michael Harris did leave the game early on Thursday, a lower back tightness. Sounds minor. I saw him kind of just sitting down there in the dugout afterwards. Grant, I don't know if you have any more of an update on that after the game on Michael Harris. Yeah, we talked to Brian Snitker about it, and he essentially said it's a day-to-day kind of thing, so it doesn't sound like a major injury. But it, Snit mentioned that he banged his back up against the wall, which I'm assuming was the catch against St. Louis. I don't really remember a play where he was slamming into the wall uh, during the home opener at all. I don't think he was really tested in that way. But I think the stolen base might have jarred it a little bit. It was kind of a, an aggressive slide. When he went down, he kind of took an extra couple of moments to – get back to his feet, and then he was out of the game not long after that. So that might have aggravated it some, uh, but either way, we'll kind of find out. They might give him a day. I wouldn't be shocked to see him perhaps not in the lineup on Friday if that's the case, if he's still kind of feeling some of the residual of that. But if this lingers on through the weekend, clearly we'll get a bigger update on that. But hopefully it's nothing. Snit said he's glad that Michael told him that he was feeling a little bit of something because this is the time of year, and we've talked about this. I mean, there's no good time for injury, but you don't want to do something here early that could cause you to miss a whole bunch of time that's why they're taking it easy with Max Fried, who this, I don't know if it's an injury update. He's continuing to throw. But if you watch the pregame um, announcements or the pregame introductions for the club, Fried was able <laughs> to do his light jog out there. I so that. that's a good thing. He's testing it out with a little bit of speed. But, you know, all jokes aside, you want to get Max Fried back soon. You don't want to lose a player like Michael Harris to trying to play through a little issue that he aggravates and becomes a bigger issue, particularly when we're talking about the back. That's one of those things that, I think immediately is a red flag for most people. Oh, if, you, if your back's bothering you, let's go ahead and rest that up, and maybe that's what the Braves will look to do there. Yeah, just about all of these injury news right now, you're hearing precautionary, and I think yeah. you know that's exactly what it is early in the season, not wanting these to become major issues, trying to take the rest that you need um, to, to knock those out and hopefully get these guys back. Rysel oh. Iglesias tracking as well. Uh, hasn't resumed throwing yet, but they said his rehab, rehab is progressing. 
It is. And I do have one other update. Let me talk about Iglesias real quick. He has not been able to throw yet. And once he does, then they'll be able to set a firmer timetable for when he can presumably go out and get a couple of relief appearances under his belt and then rejoin the big league club. I did catch up with Kyle Wright after the game last night. He said he is feeling great after his rehab start. I asked him, you know, do you see another one of those or do you think it's kind of time to you know, make that first start of the season? And he said, yes, yeah, an interesting question. I feel good. We'll kind of figure out where it goes. It's kind of, I think he's kind of in that in-between of, you know, maybe you'd like one more to get a little bit sharper. But then again, if you're physically ready, maybe it's time to go ahead and get the season started. So we'll see what decisions made. Tentatively, I think you could pencil him in to start on the first day that he's eligible to come off the injured list against the Cincinnati Reds on April the 11th. But we'll see what the club decides. The good news, though, here, the takeaway here is that Kyle Wright was feeling very good after that outing. And that's a very good sign for the Braves rotation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Braves will take any injured players that want to come back. We uh, There's obviously been a lot of banged up. Like I said, nothing major so far, which is great, but would be good to start getting all of these guys back and seeing this Braves team at full strength. I mean, as great yeah. as they're playing right now, we're not even seeing them at full strength. So that'll certainly uh, be good to see once it happens. Um, now, Grant, I'm labeling you as our weatherman here. I know there's a lot of rain in the forecast this weekend. Are the Braves going to get these games in? Are they in serious jeopardy uh, of having maybe a doubleheader this weekend? Or, you know, don't, do they not get them in at all? It's the only time, obviously, San Diego's coming to town this year. Yeah, I know Brian Snitker said, and he echoes what everybody's thinking. We don't want to get into doubleheader situations. You don't want to get into rainout situations where then you have to find, you know, dates that you share in order to host another team. Or, and the Braves have seen this, have to fly halfway across the country to go play a game that they were supposed to play at another time just to be able to get the schedule in. It does look like there could be some rains, at least in the Marietta Cobb area um, on Friday evening. Looking into the weekend, I guess we'll kind of see uh, how it could play out. Saturday does look like it could be stormy with, with temperatures down in the 40s. Sunday looks a little bit better. So I, I'm thinking maybe Saturday is the one that's a little bit more questionable. Hopefully we can get Fridays in without rain delays or with very few rain delays as minimal as possible so that these two clubs can try to figure out a way to get all four of these games in this weekend and maybe on the day they're scheduled. I think players seem to prefer that. Fans usually prefer that as well. So we'll see if the weather co cooperates. Yeah, and Sundays is a, is a night game as well. It's a Sunday night uh, ESPN game as well. So, yeah, hopefully they get them all in as scheduled. There's not any interruptions there to home opening weekend. But what a way to kick it off that it was. And if the Braves do get to play these games, me and Grant will be there as part of the postcast on Locked On Sports Atlanta. So make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Atlanta on YouTube where you can get that postcast with me and Grant McCauley. And you can also get the audio version on your Locked On Braves podcast feed. But Grant, thanks for joining me. What an exciting opening yeah. home opener that it was for the Atlanta Braves, a walk-off win. Um, but thanks again for listening. Thanks for making Locked On Braves your first listen of each and every day. Now go make your second listen, the Locked On MLB podcast, where MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective talking about the biggest stories from around the league. Again, thanks for joining us one more time. Make sure you go follow uh, Locked On Sports Atlanta on YouTube. Also, make sure you obviously follow Grant. If you're not already, you're missing out on a lot of great Braves content this season. So make sure you go follow Grant. Follow this podcast at Locked On underscore Braves on Twitter. You can follow me at Shortstop Ball. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. 
Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 